Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. Saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code RTFP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. 18 plus 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligible restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. into the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Tuckheads Tuesday. What does that mean? We only have two of them left this week and next week. It means it's for you guys. Then we'll be three times a week in the non-playing season it's ridiculous to call it the off season at this point it's just the non-playing season but we got a hall of famer for you guys today steve largent kind of good timing right travis kelsey just broke some playoff records of jerry rice well jerry rice broke a bunch of regular season records of steve largent new week you guys know the deal with spreading the word via social media you can rate and review the show somewhere. Email it to me, ross at rostucker.com. You can reply to any of the live streams we have for the show now that people are really liking. Either one of those, you got a great chance to be the winner. Same with the sponsor confirmation email winner, westshorehome.com slash ross or myfrontpagestory.com or you get Emery's draft guide. Those are the best ways to be the sponsor confirmation email winner. And then the YouTube shout out, Big fan of getting nice YouTube comments from new people. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Give us the old thumbs up and make a comment. Still getting patrons, even at the end of the year, end of the season. I love it. Hopefully they're engaging on some of the other platforms. Joshua Meeker, Patreon.com slash RT Media. Before we get to Steve Largent and the big show, I will say this. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, perfect squad, perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind. And you know that grabbing DiGiorno classic crust pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game winning call and grab a DiGiorno classic crust pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. Jackie, baby, you got to have something to wash it down. That something is Labatt Blue Light. What a great beer for the Super Bowl. What a great beer for this upcoming weekend. Drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's Steve Largent time. The Big Show. 
As promised, really excited to be joined by the Hall of Famer. We don't get a chance to say that that often on this show. And I also have several buddies that are Seahawks fans that are going to absolutely love this. The Hall of Famer, Steve Largent. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. I'm glad to be with you. So I have, I got a bunch of things for you. But before we get into that, I know you're doing some awesome stuff with Gridiron Greats, which is amazing. As a former player, I certainly really appreciate everything that you guys have done with, Grid, with Gridiron Greats and the things you're doing to help spread the word. And I know you guys have something in particular going with Southern Recipe Pork Rinds. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. Well, Southern Recipe has uh, contacted me and asked uh, me if I supported uh, Mike Ditka's uh, charity. And I do, of course, and have for several years. Uh, but uh, so what we're doing is we're giving away a bunch of money. I think it's like $5,000 uh, to the contestant that wins this. But uh, they're having a... Uh, a big contest and, and uh, they're giving all kinds of uh, pork rinds and money and everything else away for uh, people to join them on the Super Bowl. It's actually on Super Bowl Sunday. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm helping them with that. And they're making a, a very generous donation to uh, 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 Mike Ditka's charity that I uh, wholly support. And his charity, what it does is it's really, it's, it's for old football players, guys that, uh, played a long time ago when I played, and uh, they uh, uh, just really they 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 don't have any money anymore, uh, and they they really never had money. I mean, when I started in the league, I made uh, twenty eight thousand dollars, which isn't a lot of money for uh, uh, NFL players. But um, anyway, these guys uh, fell on hard times uh, and are having medical issues or housing issues or uh, physical issues. And uh, so Mike really, really saw that and started his uh, charity to benefit those players, uh, guys he coached, guys he played against. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, I fully support what he's doing. And so that's why, that's, that's why I'm doing this, uh, this deal for Pork Rind Appreciation Day. That's awesome. Yeah, go to porkrindappreciationday.com to enter the contest. Grand prize winner gets a cash prize of $5,000 and a 15-month supply of the pork rinds, which is awesome, plus the ability to pass the pigskin onto a friend for 15 months if you want to give them the uh, the 15 months of pork rinds. You know, I'm glad you said that, Steve, because I'm always curious. I always ask guys, by the way, my rookie year was 2001, and uh, I made 209000 and I thought that was a lot, and it is a lot, yeah. but obviously compared – I think the minimum now is like 750 or something just yeah. unbelievable, which is wonderful for those guys. I'm, I'm happy for them that that's, that that's what it is. But I am curious. I always ask guys such as yourself, how are the guys doing from your era maybe that you were friendly with or, or teammates in general? I, I know it probably is a case-by-case -case basis, but in general – how are they doing, you know, cognitively and physically? Well, in general, most of them are doing fairly well. Uh, most of them had jobs uh, when they played in the NFL that were not football related. Uh, and many of them have gone back to those jobs and, and uh, are doing fairly well for their families. But there's some guys that are really physically hurting. Like Kenny Easley is a perfect example, a great, great football player. He's in the Hall of Fame. But a guy that really he's having a lot of struggles with his health now. And uh, Kenny is a guy that played the game 
hard. Uh, he hit hard and uh, he, he was unrelenting and he's paying the price for it now. Uh, but, uh, you know, th so there's, there's guys like that that I played with that uh, really are having troubles uh, now in their uh, post career. And, and there's some guys that are, that are, you know, that are fine, but uh, we're, we're really, you know, trying to address those players that uh, are hurting uh, either physically or mentally or uh, financially and uh, get them some help. Steve, how are you doing? Cause I, I remember specifically, you know, you were not afraid to go over the middle and you certainly took your fair share of shots. I mean, when you were playing Steve, that was sort of uh my heyday as a fan in the eighties. And I still remember, I mean, I could list a bunch of safeties now, uh, David Fulcher, Dennis Smith, Steve Atwater, Chuck oh, yeah. Cecil, uh, Andre Waters. I mean, there were a bunch of guys. If you went over the middle, you knew you were going to get absolutely lit up. The game has changed significantly and probably changed for the better. How are you doing? Well, I, I, I would say that the game's changed for the better, too. Uh, but uh, I, I'm doing fairly well. Uh, I, I've had some issues. I've had a stroke uh, and some other issues like that. Uh, but but I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I don't have any troubles with things like that. I don't think anyway. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think anything's wrong with me. But uh, yeah, they, we're really talking about players that uh, are, are are hurting and uh, don't have the resources to take care of themselves. And you know, fortunately, I, I didn't play at a time where we made a lot of money. But uh, I, I did okay uh, in my post career career. Uh, so, uh, I'm doing okay, but, uh, the Mike Ditka is really, uh, trying to address the issue of players that aren't doing well. Uh, and like I said, I I'm doing okay, uh, living with my family and my, uh, my, uh, four, four, four kids and 10 grandkids. So they, they keep me busy all the time, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm doing okay, but, uh, you know, I, I did play in an era where they hit hard and they were unrelenting. And it was all legal. That's the that's the funny thing about it is that uh, the league allowed it. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm doing okay. So uh, it's funny. I, I have a couple friends that are diehard Seahawks fans out here on the East Coast. And you're the reason why. I mean, mainly <laughs> you, Steve. Like you and Jim Zorn as well. But I'm, I'm sure you hear that a lot. You know, you don't hear that very often with many franchises where people nationally are a fan of a team because of a certain player. Like, like I think the number one ranked guy for that is Dolphins fans with Marino. It's unbelievable yeah. how many Dolphins fans there are because of Marino back in the 80s. But you're the guy. I mean, I've had several people tell me that, and I'm sure you hear that all the time. How cool is that? I mean, what? how cool is that that people are still Seahawks fans because of what you did, you know, back in the late 70s and the 80s? Yeah, you know, I think I think it just goes to the breadth and the depth of the league now. Uh, there, there's there's so many fans that the, the league has generated for a lot of different teams. Uh, and so I was just very fortunate to be able to play uh, in the league at all, uh, you know, I was cut by the Houston Oilers when I was drafted by them in the fourth round uh, in the very first year I was playing, and they uh, they 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 cut me, and they, and then the Seahawks ended up picking me up uh, in the in the uh, see I was a fourth round pick, and they traded for me for an eighth round pick 
after uh, after I got cut by the Oilers. So, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to play and uh, and and I, I did generate a lot of fans in a lot of different places. And I think I was just, you know, a slow white guy that uh, that, uh, you know, people enjoyed watching play. It's interesting because it feels like, I mean, you had obviously incredible numbers that you put up. It felt like there was a time there, Steve. I don't remember a lot of other guys like you in the 90s. Even when I was a rookie in 2001, there weren't a lot of um, quote-unquote small white guys that were playing receiver. But then interestingly, it feels like the Patriots almost like made it pop again with <laughs> Welker and Amendola and Edelman I bet you people I'm assuming people brought that stuff up to you all the time like hey it reminds me of you like that and was that strange to see like um hey it's it's it, you can make you can get a lot of catches again as a uh, as a smaller white guy that might not be a burner yeah well you know I, I think I think uh I, I don't know I've never really thought about that uh, I've enjoyed watching everybody play the game, uh, regardless of what color they were or how fast they ran. Uh, the game to me is is uh, is greater today than it's ever been, and uh, I enjoy watching it. So, uh, and I don't, I don't like I said, I don't uh, measure myself or measure the game by how many white receivers they have or how many black receivers they have. Uh, but uh, what I look at is how many receivers they've got that that can really catch the ball and run with it after they they caught it, and uh, that's the important thing to me. So when you retired, you basically had every record, which is amazing. Uh, what year was that, Steve? And how long did they last until until Jerry until Jerry beat them? Well, that's right. It, it didn't that last long? Uh, no, I, I had I had all the records. Uh, in the NFL for receiving uh, until he retired. Uh, and he retired, I think, in 2000. Uh, I can't remember what year it was that he retired. Because I retired in 89. He retired maybe five years after I retired. Because I know he played He played like 18 years or something like that. Yeah, he, but, uh, he, he was still playing in the Super Bowl for the Raiders in 2002. Yeah, yeah. So he, he played a long time. Uh, but, you know, it, it – you know, it's just uh, that, that's not something you can control. And I never tried to control it, certainly. But, uh, you know, it was fun for me to be able to, you know, get some records and, and uh, be on record for uh, having done done something, accomplished something. Uh, and, you know, the rest is the rest is history. Um, when did you know uh, I'm in trouble here with these records? I think this guy, Jerry Rice, is going to probably break them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think I knew it when I was playing. So it was, it wasn't long. Uh, you know, I, I, I recognize that he was a, a great receiver. We, we used to play the 49ers every preseason uh, back in the day. And so I got to see Jerry and know Jerry. Uh, and, and he was a, he was a great receiver and he had a great quarterback throwing to him uh, two two great quarterbacks in San Francisco throwing to him. So uh, he was, he was, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite receivers to watch play too. You know, the other thing about him is, Steve, he's not – he wasn't really a burner either. So can you no. talk about guys like Jerry and you and the success you're able to have without maybe running a, a blazing 40 time? Because it seems like there's such a premium now on trying to get these guys that run fast 40 times, and yet two of the guys that had the all-time records were not considered blazers. Yeah, you know, 
uh, yeah, Jerry was probably six one, I think, and I was five eleven and a half. And uh, you know, I don't, you know, he might have been six two. I don't, I don't think so, but he might have been. Uh, but he was, you know, the thing that Jerry did so well, he ran good routes. He wasn't fast. Uh, people always think that he was really fast, but Jerry wasn't very fast either. Uh, but, uh, you know, he ran good routes and he caught the ball consistently. Uh, and it didn't matter who was throwing it to him, but uh, he, he caught the ball uh, very well. And, you know, that's that's the important thing is you got to have a guy that's got guts and a guy that catches the ball consistently. And uh, Jerry Rice did both of those things in spades. So, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, and I always tried to, you know, model myself uh, as that kind of player too, a, a player who's consistent as a receiver. Uh, that's what you really have to aim for is, is consistency, running your routes consistently, catching the ball consistently. Uh, and that, that, that to me is uh, what is, what, what really constitutes a great receiver. What was it like, Steve? Cause after you got cut, by the Oilers and went to the Seahawks. They were an expansion team, right? Yeah, that was the first year of the franchise uh, in 1976. And uh, so I went there, and, and everybody else was new to the team as well. Uh, they just showed up to, in camp a little bit earlier than I did. So uh, it was it was it was it was fun, uh, and it was very interesting to see how they were trying to put the team together. But the advantage that I had in going to Seattle versus Houston was the coach that I played for in college uh, got his first coaching job in the NFL with the Seahawks. And that was Jerry Rome, the great quarterback from the 60s uh, at the University of Tulsa. Uh, he was my coach for three years at, at the University of Tulsa. He knew I could play. And he also had instituted all, he had put in all of the, the pass plays and the nomenclature for those pass plays into the Seahawks offense. So when they said I write 79, I knew exactly where to go, where to line up, uh, how deep to run the route, when the quarterback was going to throw it, because I'd been doing it for three years. The rest of these guys that were just coming in, they, they were just trying to learn the system. And uh, it was something that I had been doing for three years. And so that was a real big advantage for me. Yeah, man, that sounds like it for sure. I, I, I had read that in your bio, but I didn't think about how much of a – uh, a leg up that would be especially for an expansion franchise where everybody's kind of learning at the same time. It's like you yeah. were ahead of them. I can just picture coach being like, this is how we want it. Like you were almost the example right away. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, and I was, uh, you know, I, I can remember Jerry saying to the other receivers, this is how we want to run the, the nine route. Uh, and so, and this is the depth we need to get. And this is the timing we're going to get. And so I, 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 like I said, I'd been doing all that stuff for three years for Jerry at the University of Tulsa, and it was a real, real advantage for me. You know, this year, at least once, maybe twice, Steve, the Seahawks wore the throwback uniforms from uh, back in the day when you when you were playing. What was that like? Did that bring back some memories for you to see? Oh yeah, you know this yeah. year's team wearing those. Yeah, it did. It sure did. I, I mean, they they actually contacted me to tell me that they were wearing it this this week or whatever, and uh, it, that, that was kind of a fun thing. Uh, it makes you feel a little old too when they're 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 calling your jersey that you wore a, a throwback jersey. You know, um, I don't remember people loving those jerseys that much back when you guys wore them. 
But now that they haven't worn them for so long, and they were now everybody's like, oh, those are the best. Those are the best. I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Steve, but I don't remember in the 80s or early 90s. I don't remember people saying, oh, the Seahawks have the best uniforms. But now that they're throwbacks, now everybody acts like they're the best things ever. Yeah, yeah that's right. They, they When they're throwback jerseys, they're the favorite jersey they ever had. But, uh, you know, they, they didn't like them as much when we first wore them uh, in, the, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, also, Steve, curious, um, and wrapping up with you here, I really appreciate it. You got into politics after after your playing career, and you were involved for a while. And just curious, is there any um, similarities, any crossover between football and politics? Was it helpful in any way? I guess I'm sure name recognition, but anything else? Well, the only thing that that, that I can think of that would be um, kind of a, a, a parallel is there are a lot of people that have great interest in both things, in, in sports and in politics. Uh, so that, that would be the only thing that I would say uh, is, is similar. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I got into politics and I don't think I knew what I was doing, uh, but I, I was there for eight years and, and I really uh, enjoyed my experience in Washington, D.C. and representing the good people of the 1st Congressional District in, in Oklahoma. Uh, and I love doing that, um, but uh, I have no interest in going back. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like that's got that that game has gotten worse, or that industry yeah. has gotten worse since you left. Yeah, I agree. Steve, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Again, I'll throw the website out there one more time so people know it's porkrindappreciationday.com. Dot com 15th anniversary campaign you can win five thousand dollars a 15 month supply of the pork rinds and of course they're teaming up with the gridiron greats assistance fund you heard steve talk about it uh it helps players that are in need and it's a great thing that mike ditka has started and that people like steve support the way they do taking his time to come on our show to get the message out again pork rind appreciationday.com steve thanks so much really appreciate it Ross, thank you very much appreciate you good timing after talking with some of those topics with steve largent to let you know that your heart attack risk can more than double when your home team's playing we're encouraging all sports fans to learn about their personal heart risk factors so they can keep their hearts in the game heart disease is the number one cause of death in the u.s due to the often invisible risk factors one in five heart attacks occur with no recognizable signs or warning. Moreover, having conditions such as diabetes or high blood pressure can increase your chance of a heart attack up to 2x. To help educate on those risks, Bear Aspirin created the Bear Aspirin Health Risk Assessment Tool. The tool quickly assesses an individual's personal risk of developing cardiovascular disease so that they can discuss their heart health risk factors with a health care professional as part of ongoing health management. Learn more and assess your risk factors at checkyourheartrisks.com. Tux takes. All right, Ross. Charles Amenahue officially tore his ACL for the Chiefs. He's out for the season. Well, the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, that's a bummer. You know, he's the one that had the first trip sack of Lamar Jackson in the game against the Ravens, which was a big play. He was like the perfect third rusher coming off the edge for the Chiefs that they had this year. And that stinks. You know, they're going to need to get after Purdy and 
having one less guy that's been effective, that doesn't help. Chargers, they're hiring Joe Hortz from the Ravens as their new general manager. Yeah, Joe Hortiz, I think. Did I um, did I predict this last week? I did, right? Because I was connecting the dots with Harbaugh. I mean, that's something I maybe will write about at some point. It's just uncanny how often, you know, you can pretty clearly connect the dots of the familiarity or the previous relationship when these guys get hired. But the Ravens are an awesome organization. He's been there forever. Very, very deserving of this opportunity. And Ross, everyone's talking about Dan Campbell going for it on those fourth downs. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I do, actually. In fact, Jack, I might actually write about it uh, this week for my column for the 33rd team. Hopefully it'll be up earlier in the week if I can get it done. I'm going to make this my Labatt take, presented by Labatt Blue Light, the pristine Canadian Pilsner. Enjoy your beers together so you can live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. First of all, the David Montgomery run on third and goal after the two-minute warning was inexcusable, unacceptable, way worse than the field goal decisions. The field goal decisions we can at least debate. I'm curious about the process. Is Dan getting information saying, hey, it's fourth and two at the 30, you have this percentage to get the first down, this percentage that Badgley makes the field goal, or is he just saying, we're going to be aggressive, man, it's who we are, we're going to go for it. What I would argue is, not all fourth downs are the same. Even if, let's say the first one he went for, even if you get it, there's still a pretty good chance you end up kicking a field goal on the drive, right? Or even if you score a touchdown, you still go up three scores, you're still up 21. I would argue, in like that example, that the difference between only being up 14 versus 17, two scores versus three scores, is greater than being up 21 versus 17. I just don't think all fourth down decisions are the same. And I hope Dan Campbell takes that into account when he's making these decisions. The same thing with tying the game later. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out to MyFrontPageStory.com. There is not a better way to get a holiday gift. There just isn't. Valentine's Day is 15 days away. MyFrontPageStory.com. Send me proof that you got one. I'll definitely send you something signed. BackOfficeSchedule.com. SteakhouseSports.com. HumanHeadNYC.com. Sportaculture. And Pizza Boy Brewing.